Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. I want burgers. Pizza. Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Requires new line. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams at up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is June 10th, 2018, and we got a great show for everybody tonight. David Austin from Nasty Savage and Ross the Boss. We'll be talking to David first in about a half hour, and Ross's interview is on in the second half of the show. I hope everybody's having a great Sunday wherever you are. It's another cold, damp, and rainy one here in New York. It seems to be the new norm these days. We don't even have a summer anymore. It's just like a continuous winter. Winter and a, and a semi-winter, I guess we should say. Uh, but hopefully the 8-degree weather will come here and stay because I'm dying to get into the pool. All right, right there, Witch Find the General with music. We're going to keep the music flowing here tonight. How about some Fate's Warning? I love those first two records of the band. I mean... All the records are pretty good, but as they got more and more progressive over the years, I kind of like, uh, you know, shied away from those albums a little bit more. But those first ones are killer. Here's Night on Brockton.
yeah, Ruthless. Oh, man, I love that song. Sign of the Cross. Kenny McGee, the original guitar player, is back in the band once again. Uh, so that's always good news. The last record, They Rise, was one of their strongest. I mean, I would put that up against any album that they put out back in the heyday in the 80s. Uh, they're in the studio right now working on new music. Hopefully by the end of the year, we'll see it, and we'll have uh, Sammy and the guys in the band back on the show again. It was great seeing them here when they came to New York about a year or so ago. Uh, unfortunately, it was a week, uh, you know, like a weeknight show, and not a lot of people showed up. Uh, but they sounded great on stage. All right. Well, you know what? Just because all the members of a band are dead doesn't mean the band itself has to be dead. Uh, you know, with Lemmy gone, Fast Eddie gone, and Filthy Phil gone, Motorhead is still, you know, the organization running the Motorhead brand on name. They still put out records under the band's name. And now the Road Crew beer is finally going to be available here in the U.S., uh, whenever my wife and I go overseas, uh, we've been going to the United Kingdom every year for the last couple of years, and we take the train to, like, you know, different countries over there. I try to look for a lot of these beers, like, you know, these heavy metal band beers or wines or, or liquors that you can't get here, and, and I try to bring a couple of them back. So uh, it's nice that some of them are finally being released here in the U.S. I go to my local, you know, beer distributor and pick it up over there. But if you're interested, the Roku beer, I think, is uh, going to be released here in the U.S. at the end of the month. So it'll be nice to get a can of that. All right, let's do a little motorhead since we were talking about them. Sweet revenge. Hello, Mr. Final shot. 
by Chateau, Burn Out at Dawn. Love that first record with Steve Grimman on vocals. The ones after that weren't bad, but, you know, I was really hoping for more with him. But he was kind of just brought in to do the vocals for that record and really wasn't an actual member of the band at that time. The album, I believe, was re-released just recently, uh, but don't quote me on that. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. I'm pretty sure it was. All right, we're going to get into, uh, how about we play a Nasty Savage tune that's ready, 625 here in the East Coast, and we're going to talk to David Austin in a few minutes. So we'll play some Nasty Savage, and then we'll get him on the line. Here's Witcher Sabbath.
band that's willing to burn witches at the stake is a band that I'm a fan of. All right, let's get David on the line right now, and we'll get this interview going. Bear with me a second here while we dial him up. Hold on there. ba 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 That should do it. Hello? David, this is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. You're live on the air. How are you tonight? Hey, what's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, I wish I was in Florida with you uh, in the nice hot, warm weather, but, you know, I'm dealing with the cold damp here in New York. Oh, no, it's beautiful here right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it really is. I'm actually <laughs> sitting on sitting on my porch right now, and there is a little cloudy, but a little breeze here, so it's nice. A little hot, but hey. not bad. Hey, How are you tonight, matters. buddy? I'm doing good. You know what? At this point in our lives, as long as we're enjoying it and we're still alive to enjoy it, that's a plus. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I'm 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 too old to be cold, brother. I don't know how you guys <laughs> do it up there. <laughs> I know. I hear that. Uh, that's I, why I, I moved back down to Florida not long ago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm back here now. I, I'll be joining you in a few more years when I retire. We're, we're hitting the we're hitting the southern <laughs> part of the country. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, I get to retire one day. I may have to work till like 75 if I'm around that long. Yeah. Uh, well, as long as part of the work you're doing is continuing to play with Nancy Savage and putting out music for as long as you... I have to tell you, I go back to the beginning of the band when I was a kid trading demo tapes and getting that Wage of Mayhem demo and saying, what the hell is this, man? These guys have got something going on here. And then you start you know, hearing about the band through fanzines, and you guys were on a whole nother level when this band came out back in the early 80s. I appreciate that, man. And I'll tell you what... Uh... And I have to give uh, credit where credit's due. And, and, you know, those early days, you know, when we when we had just recorded that demo, uh, Ronnie really just, you know, nasty Ronnie, you know, as, as a lot of people know him, you know, he really just busted his ass, you know, with with with, uh, with the pen pal stuff, because you know how it was back then. You had to write yeah. letters, and, you know, and he would be in contact with every person that he could get his hands on trying to push that thing you know and you know even to the you know to the point where you know he was getting a lot of you know response from europe and you know and that type of thing and we would you know literally sit in his bedroom you know at his mom's house for eight hours straight and just write letters and answer fan mail and send demos out and send t-shirts out and 
you know, we would always try to send little bonuses out, stickers and stuff like that, whatever we had, you know, we're, you know, it's not like we had a, a huge budget budget by any means, but, you know, we, we always tried to make uh, every fan that you took the time to write a letter, you know, for the love of God, you know, you don't have to do that anymore, but, you know, to make them feel special when they got something in the mail. And uh, we, we really took a lot of pride in that. And yeah, Ronnie did a, he did a hell of a lot of work back then. I mean, you know, that's, that's for damn sure. And, uh, you know, just really just talked to a lot of radio stations, you know, especially, you know, Houston, which was uh, KF, KPFT is where we actually did our very first radio interview live, you know, in Houston, you know, when we went over there and did a, uh, just a small Texas tour uh, in San Antonio and Austin and, and Houston. And uh, just a huge response over there. I mean, uh, we, the first time, I think the first gig that we played over there was San Antonio, and there was like 500 people there. You know, and this, this is off a demo, you know, and just to be able to talk to these guys over there. And the, and the first time, in which we, they, were, they actually named themselves the, uh, the Nazi Savage Doom Society, which I named my... Uh, the the uh, Nasty Savage fan club page that I set up on you on YouTube on uh, Facebook, you know, we, I call it that just a kind of dedication to those dudes over there because I mean there was really some hardcore fans over there that really helped pave the way for us to be able to kind of you know spread out and be able to do other gigs and just got a lot of notice and stuff like that. And we're we're, we're proud of that stuff, man. Without a doubt. Yeah. Isn't it funny how you talk about, you know, writing letters, you know, pen paling it. That was the way it was done back then. Put up flyers on telephone poles for gigs. It seemed like it's it much more work as it was back then. It kind of paid off more than it does today with the internet where you could just kind of click a button. It seemed like it, it was, it was more work, but it actually worked back then. It was work, but it was, yeah, it was fun. You know, you know, now yeah. I would, I would, I would think, you know, a young man, you know, coming up, probably wouldn't think it was that much fun, <laughs> but, you know, you know, since, you know, since we're talking like 83, you don't know any better because you know, there's no technology like there is, you know, today. So, you know, just to get out there and, you know, to spread the word and we were just, I, I just remember going all day, you know, and just every record store that was in, in the Brandon area, which, which really wasn't that many, but, you know, we but we would drive to Tampa, and you know, this, like you said, you know, we would staple, you know, flyers, telephone poles. You know, we're going to be at Ruby's Pub. We're going to be here. We're going to do this. You know, it was cool, and you know, and a lot of those guys, like you know, the the, the you know, once we were kind of established in the Brandon area, you know, all of, you know, all these buddies that I have now for so long that you know, uh, from Death, you know, and, you know, and and Chuck. You know, Chuck, he actually had uh, a fanzine called, um, oh, shit, what's the name of it? Metal Militia. And he, yeah. they, he, Chuck, you know, before he even joined Manta, which became Death, did an interview with us way back in the day. You know, he was a young kid, you know. And uh, just uh, all these guys, you know, back then that, we, you know, John Tardy, and Trevor Perez from Obituary and Donald Carter. I mean, they would drive their bicycles up to our practice while we were practicing, sit out there in the yard and listen to us, man. I mean, just lots of history around here, you know, with all these guys, Morbid Angel and Deicide and, you know, just so many bands. You know, it was just, a, it was really an amazing time. It was 
that was fun. And you could, the, the fact that you could actually do a gig in a freaking cow pasture on a flatbed trailer <laughs> and charge two bucks to get in and have 500 people out there. You know, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, you know, and now even with the technology, because it's really kind of, uh, uh, kind of watered down a little bit because there's so many damn bands, you know, and, but I get it, you know, it's with, with the technology, it's easier to record and, and, and do your thing and get your stuff out there. But it was just, you know, just, it was to me, and I don't want to sound like an old fart, but it was, it was just more gratifying back then than it is now, you know, to, yeah, it's you know it's it's nice to get your stuff out there and you hopefully you get some responses and things like that. But just really when you put that hard work into it like that, and uh, and really had to just grudge along with you know writing songs and 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 if you've got that deal, you know with Metal Blade or or Combat, whoever you know the Roadrunner, the labels that were kind of out supporting that kind of material back then. You know if you got that deal, it was like. It was like you were on top of the world, you know. It's like, oh my God, we're on metal blade, you know, and uh, and just you know, just, just good times, big times. True. Well, you know, when the Wage of Mayhem demo came out around '84, I mean, you know, for tape traders and the underground scene, that was like the demo to have. You know, everybody wanted to know more about the band, and then like a year later, you know, the debut record comes out, like you said, on on Metal Blade Records. You know, an underground label at the time, them and Megaforce were like the two well-known underground labels, and then Indulgence comes out on that label also. I mean, signed the Metal Blade. I mean, did it offer the band anything at the time that you really needed besides a record contract? Did it have support for the band or, or push the band, you know, out into the public? Yeah, it was uh, the, the the thing of it is with uh you know, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna dog anybody here, but we had some you know unfortunately we had some management problems. We ended up probably using a manager that we shouldn't have at the time, and uh, so when so when we actually got the deal with Metal Blade, we didn't surrender to him. We just did a one year contract with him. So that's what we were advised to do. Uh, probably not a good move on our part. If we would have done like a five-year you know, or five-album deal or whatever, you know, at the time, uh, things probably would have progressed more because they would probably have supported, you know, a little bit more as far as like touring and that type of thing. But since we were doing the one-year deals, you know, we we didn't get a ton of tour support. We were out there, but uh, probably not as much as we could have been or should have been and i think things would have would have would have been, would have turned out probably different within within that five-year span anyway with because we were on metal blade from uh you know we we're on i think metal metal metal, metal massacre six and then uh then the first the first three albums were on metal blade and then we, we we moved to a different label with penetration points but uh yeah just uh some moves that, you know, I kind of, you know, regret, but, you know, at the time we're, you know, we're 21 years old, so we don't know what we're doing. We're just listening and we're, you know, and we're following the advice of somebody that we really probably shouldn't have, but that's, that's you know, it just worked out like that. Well, that, that's a hard thing for a lot of bands, because like you said, you know, most of us got started as teenagers going into the early 20s and this. All we're thinking about is writing music, getting on stage, playing live. You're not thinking about the business part of it. And when you do, it's kind of secondary to everything else until you realize how important that really is 
and it's a part of it. But like I said, you can't take back what you thought was good at the time because that's how you live and learn. Absolutely. You know, you think, you know, I, I remember the, the first tour that we went on when we were, when, when the first album came out, we, we did a couple of shows in Tampa and we hooked up with Hallow's Eve and did some shows up, you know, through the Northeast. And then we, uh, then we end up, you know, then we toward the end of that tour is when we played at Lemoore with Slayer. They were on the Hello Awaits tour and yep. it was us, you know, Slayer and, and Hallow's Eve. And you think, you know, all you can think about is like, oh my God, uh, you know, I, I'm about to play with Slayer here. You know, e- even in 85, they had, they were, they were, they were turning it on. Right? There, it, it was, it was on with Slayer, you know. I mean, we, I remember playing there. I think there were 1800 people there, you know, in 85. So, and then we, then, uh, we, you know, we did that show. And, uh, so you, you know, you, you think about those things when you're, when you're 21, you're like, this is, this is why I, or 22, or, you know, this is why I'm, this is the reason why I'm doing this. This is the reason why I've been busting my ass for the last few years. And, you know, we're, we're finally, yeah, even even though we were, you know, not big time, but it, it was that, you know, it was that moment where, like, okay, you know, I, I, this is what I've achieved. I've achieved this goal, you know, step one of this. This is amazing, you know. We're, you know, we're we're in magazines, you know. We're you know, and and it was just, it was kind of overwhelming, but you know, because you're you don't you don't think with your brain you kind of think with your just emotions and things like that but you're actually getting to i'm in new york you know and here i am a young guy you know so and, and then we get we went on to play the on that same tour the world war three fest you know possessed and celtic frost and destruction and voivod it's like oh my god you know this is yeah. awesome so you know then after that you know, we, we did indulgence and then we do the European tour, you know, so here we all are young and we're actually going to fly to Europe and do shows in foreign countries. It was, it was like, this is incredible, you know, but we just business wise, we handled things the wrong way, you know, and uh, I think if we would have, if, if we would have been in better hands, uh, I think things would have turned out probably a lot better and i think we would have stayed together a lot longer than you know from you know because we broke up in 90 so and, and it was really because of management and frustration and just you know things weren't handled properly and you know you're, you're getting screwed here and all that kind of stuff so you know that's when and you know that, and that's when i kind of call it quits and you know and you know we'll take it from there so yeah I mean, the band had a good run through the 80s. I mean, every two years, since, you know, the first record came out, there was a record out every two years. You know, Abstract Reality came out in between Indulgence and Penetration Point, the EP. And like you said, it did kind of end then. And when it ends, you know, people always think that band members, they have these massive fallings out and they hate each other. But more often than not, it's like you said, it's frustration over the band not progressing and moving anywhere and management issues and record label issues. And I'm sure that it gets, you know, the members can get on each other's nerves when things are going bad. When they're going great, everybody's best friends. When something goes wrong, there's always that one guy they got to point the, the finger at, put the blame on. Was there anybody in the band that yeah, pointed the finger sure, at? Sure, sure. And it, it, we really never had any, there was never any band issues is like with each other it was always like wow you know we we kind of got fucked here you know what i'm saying and it's it's so it kind of it's it's more hurtful than it is anything 
at this point in time, you know, and it's, you know, and back then, you know, it was, it was a lot of competition. It's not, it's not all the, now it's a love fest. You know, when you oh, you know, like, you know, hell, now you can get out there and say, oh, I love Duran Duran. Back then, if yeah. you said that, you'd be called a poser and be crucified, you know? <laughs> so it was just, right? You know, hell, I can, I'll, I'll say right here on the air, I love that song, Rio. Would I have said yeah. that in 85? Hell no, I wouldn't have. But, <laughs> but it was just, you know, now it, it's, you, you think about it, and of course, you know, the old, stupid saying, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it's, it's correct, you know. So you, you can't, you know, as much as you, I would love to go back and change a few things, I can't now, so now we're we're doing what we're doing, so. True. Well, I mean, the band did end in 1990, but when you think about it, a couple of years later, I mean, the, the scene was still popular, it was still growing at that time, but it, it just collapsed completely, you know, a couple of years after you guys broke up. I mean, sure, you think you would sure. survive the 90s with, you know, grunge coming in and new metal coming in and classic metal going out. Do you think you guys would have survived in any way? Maybe breaking up was, uh, you know, was kind of the right thing to do because what would have happened a few years later when bands at different levels were collapsing and falling apart? Yeah, it, it, it kind of, you know, the, the thing about that is, you know, I mean, grunge kind of, you know, they crushed the, the, the glam thing and all that, you know, but as far as like, you know, that never stopped Death from coming out with an album. It never stopped Carcass from coming out with an album. It never stopped Exodus or, you know, Overkill or any of those bands. They they continued and they, you know, I don't know how. I was kind of out of the scene there for a while, you know, and I don't, I don't know how well they drew during that period in time, but, but, you know, Anthrax was always going to draw, you know, Megadeth, of course, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't stop them. Metallica, of course, they were on, they were on a whole different level than anybody else at the time because of uh, the black album and, yeah. you know, and all that. But, uh, you know, I don't think it would have never stopped me, you know, if it was just, I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have stopped us. I think if we're you know making some some coin here and there, and we're able to travel and make a somewhat of a living off of it, I think the the uh, the, the want to and just the desire to play the stuff would have would have continued. You know, I, I think that's probably probably for the most part for a lot of those bands. You know, that continued never stopped. We just. <clears throat> For some reason, you know, in a, in, to me, I go back to management, is we never could get to that level of where we were on a solid tour for two months at a time or, you know, uh, or, or, or anything like that. So that's, you know, that's, that was really kind of, uh, I just couldn't handle it no more. I mean, I was like, yeah, we, just, we, just play, we just played a two-month tour with BRI. We played... 60 shows in 65 days and when you do that and you come home broke it's 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 it's, uh it's hard you know so it's it's really difficult to endure something like that where you can really make it you know in your own mind is this worth it you know as much as uh, you can have all the passion in the world but it it breaks people down you know and i kind of let it break me down you know, and that's why I quit. I wish I really wouldn't have now, but but it is what it is. You know, that's the old you know cliche goes. And uh, and we you know we kind of moved apart from each other, 
and would do a show here and there. You know, I don't think I never, I, I never did another show again with them until 98 at the Bang Your Head Fest in Germany. And then, you know, and then after that, we would do stuff here and there. But, you know, I don't mean to go on about that. But No, yeah. no, yeah, it was sporadic. Yeah, I got you. When you put like almost 10 years into a bin, building it up, you know, trying to make it happen, and then you realize, like you said, after the DRI tour, you come back and you're like, hey, you know, where's the money? I mean, is it is it an easy decision to make to say, you know what, I've had enough, it's time to walk away, or is it kind of gut-wrenching, or is it like somewhere in between? It was gut-wrenching. It really was for me. I mean, because the last thing I wanted to do at this point was get like a nine-to-five job, you know, so to speak. So I knew I had, I had to do something. You know, because you got to make money and you got to have a place to live and, you know, and all that good stuff. So, uh, so I, I chose to quit, you know, and, and got a nine to five job and, you know, I worked at this, you know, you know, I went on to work at this place for like 10 years, you know, and they closed the place down because of uh, NAFTA or whatever. It was moving all to Mexico and China and all that good stuff. And, and uh, just things like that. It's like, oh my God, why, why, you know, because you, you sit there and lay there, because especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a very creative person, and I, you know, and I, you know, I, I really took pride in all those savage tunes that Ben wrote and I wrote, and and just a lot of good tunes, and you you, you kind of have that moment where you kind of feel like you felt like you've thrown it all away, but you know. And, you know, this, the, the reality thing sets in of what you have to do to survive and make money and pay bills and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very tough situation, you know. I'm, you know, and now we're, 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 we're at a good point now. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, not unfortunately, but we have two original members, just me and Ron, but, uh, we have a solid lineup and we're, we're doing shows. So, I mean, and it's you know luckily I have a job that's flexible enough to uh, to allow me to go to South America or or wherever and do some gigs and have a good time and you know talk to the fans and all my old buddies from way back when so we're we're enjoying things right now. Uh, that's a good thing. I know, like you said, like in '98 you got back together to go over to Europe for the festival, and then it was a few years after that that the band kind of got back together once again, and you put out Psycho Psycho, which I thought was a great album. Right. It kind of got lost oh, because it, you know the scene wasn't really you know happening again. It really didn't take off, so I think yeah, I'm kind of got lost in the mix, but it was definitely a continuation. I think it did too. Unfortunately, it, yeah, it got lost in the mix. It was kind of that came out in 2004. It was on Metal Blade Europe. And they, matter of fact, they don't even have the rights to it anymore. They sold it to some independent or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, you know, if uh, I, I would encourage people to look that album up or buy it or, or you know, I think there's a few tracks on YouTube. I don't think you can listen to the whole thing on there, but that's some good stuff on there. You know, it was a, it was a solid, solid album, I thought, you know, and we all, you know, all the originals got back together and, and we were able to do that. And this is actually a matter of like nine days we recorded that. And I was in Tennessee, so I flew down there. And basically we rehearsed for like two days and did the whole album. You know, I thought it came out nice. Proud of it. Yeah, it was a solid record. And then, the, you know, then you guys kind of parted ways again for a while. But then two years ago, you put it back together. Was there an attempt to try to get most of that classic lineup back together? Yeah, there was. You know, Ben, ben Meyer who has, he's, 
he he does a like a acoustic thing that he does. That's what he does for a living. He plays at bars and he does uh, you know classic rock and and whatever. It's an acoustic set and he's got like a Ben Meyer band thing that he does. That's what he does. That's what he does for a living. God bless him. You know, uh, he's he just has no interest in Nasty Savage or getting in the band. Yeah. Uh, Curtis, I haven't talked to Curtis in probably five years. Uh, Richard Bateman was back in for a little bit. There was a problem there between myself and him, unfortunately, and he quit. So uh, right now we have myself and and Ron Galetti and uh, Scott Carina, formerly of Death, on bass. Uh, Jim Coker, former formerly of Brutality, on drums. And uh, Pete Sykes, formerly of Contorted, on guitar. And it's uh, now that I'm down here living in Florida, we're actually able to rehearse once a week, and we got everything nice and tightened up, and all that good stuff. And we're we're loving it. I mean, everybody gets along fantastic. Uh, a lot of good camaraderie there, and uh, everything's going good. You know, uh, we're and we're you know we got. It's not, it's not like we're out beating the streets for shows because we can only do so many just because of work related and all that kind of thing. We can't go out for like a month or month and a half. You know, that's not going to work. But, but, uh, yeah, everybody's on board, happy. Uh, we got a show here coming up, the Strike Fest in LA. Exciters headlining one night. We're headlining another night. Uh, lots of other good bands that are playing on June 22nd at the Regency Theater in, in, in LA. We're excited about it. And uh, after that, we have a uh, quite a quite a long break. Uh, we got, I think we have like five shows coming up in South America that we're working on right now in October, and then we have uh, Atlanta in November, and we have uh, Houston and San Antonio in November. So uh, once we get done with the LA show, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing some new tunes. I got a shitload of ideas, and we're gonna you know probably probably put together a couple of new tunes and release them ourselves on iTunes or whatever. And uh, everything's everything's pleasantly going along. Uh, I was just going to ask you that: Is there a chance of getting new music, or maybe even a whole new album uh, in the future? And it sounds like that, you know, is definitely going to happen. Musically, where are you at right now? I mean, are, are you creating stuff that's completely new and sounding different, or are you still kind of looking to keep that, you know, traditional Nancy Savage sound? Well, I, I can't write anything without it sounding like Nancy Savage. So there's going to be a lot of harmonies a lot of uh technical you know timing changes and stuff like that and uh not quite as technical as the penetration point stuff but kind of you know similar between maybe along the lines of indulgence you know not quite so technical but it's going to be heavy and uh and i'm working with good people good players you know uh, scott karina is a just a fantastic bass player and we've known each other for I've known all these guys except for Pete. We we have we met not long actually the night that I met Pete, the other guitar player, is when we played in Brooklyn at the the uh Saint Vitus Bar. Name of that. Saint Vitus Bar. Right, okay. And uh and uh the, I flew from Tennessee and I'm like how you doing, Pete? Nice to meet you. We'll see you at the end of the set. You know, he learned the stuff in Tampa, and I was in Tennessee. So thank goodness those days are over with. We we get to we we get to play once a week, and we hang out and stuff like that. So 
that's all good. You know, it, it makes for a, for a completely better relationship, especially with me and the rest of the guys. Cause I'm down here in Florida now, but we got, we got, we have a lot to do. We we're, we're excited about it. And, and Scott Carino, I can't say enough about that guy. He, he is, uh, unbelievable on the base. So there's nothing that I can throw at him that he's not going to be able to add to, or, you know, compliment whatever I, whatever I decide to come up with, you know, and that, and that type of thing. Ronnie's really excited about it. He's fired up. Jim's fired up. Pete's fired up. So it's all good. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Does breaking the TVs over Ronnie's head still work with the flat screen TVs? I mean, you know, is it a, you know, <laughs> it's a more expensive item than the old one. <laughs> Now I'll tell you the funny thing is we played at uh when we played uh at the Brooklyn show. So so the the promoter or not the promoter but the, the, the owner of the place said uh he said uh no no I think Saint Vitus, that was the uh wasn't that the no, okay, never mind. Okay, maybe Brooklyn. it's the maybe so it's anyway, the, the box or the other one. It was like the the music hall of something, and I can't right, the, the, the name. Williamsburg. Yeah, yes. That's yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, so we get a call, not a call, but the promoter, you know, says, "I'm sorry, guys, but Ronnie can't smash the TV because of the lead in the old school TVs." So you know, Ronnie's like, oh, he he was pissed off, you know, and and you know they're, they're like, we'll work something out. So they bring these flat screens and that are like props for uh like if you're going to look at a home they're made yeah. out of plastic right <laughs> so they bring three of them back there they all weigh about a pound each and i and i told ronnie i'm like look dude i said you don't even you don't mess with these things if you don't want to just trust me david because i'll figure out something to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> so of course you know we're playing on chain danger when he's smashing the fuck out of them with a you know an eight foot chain and all this kind of stuff so he made it work uh, that's too much. There's no telling what that is. It's an adventure every time I play a gig because I have no idea what that man's going to do. That, that's true. <laughs> and I've been looking at you guys a couple of times over the decades when you've been here in New York and in Brooklyn. Do you think the band was, was hard to market in the early days to get on a tour? Because even though anything went in the 80s, the band was like way over the top of maybe a lot of promoters or a lot of clubs still. Wait, say, repeat that one more time. I'm sorry. I, I was saying, you know, do you think that the band was a difficult band to market back in the day? Because even though anything kind of went in the 80s for the fans, I, I can imagine club owners and other promoters might be a little leery about booking the band because you guys were like outrageous back then. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, we really never ran into that problem because, you know, I mean – Ronnie's not going to give it up and say what he's going to do. He's just going to, you know, he'll, he'd never do that anyway. If something's there to break or something like that, he's not going to like break their equipment or anything unless it was an accident. But, you know, I mean, there's, you just never know because maybe because there's times where he's all of a sudden he's got center blocks up there, throwing up, up, throwing them up in the air, you know, cause you never know what a, what that guy, but, uh, I, I really, I don't think so. You know, I mean, I, that really, actually, that never really come across my mind until you just brought it up. Uh, maybe, there, maybe there was a problem with that, but uh, we, you know, if it was a tour set up by Metal Blade, we were, we were doing it, and we, we didn't have an issue with that. I don't think. 
Yeah. Well, hey, David, I'm glad that you guys are still out there and doing it. I've got another guest coming up in a few minutes. I want to play some Nancy Savage Appreciate music. Appreciate it, buddy. But I can't thank you enough for being on here with us tonight and had a great time talking with you. And I can't wait for you to get back to Brooklyn again because you guys always bring the juice and play a great show. Well, I appreciate that, man, and and I really appreciate you taking the time to even interview me. You know, I, I really uh, appreciate I that. You know, just yeah, to get the get the word out there, and uh, and uh, thank you very much, and uh, much success to your to your radio show, and and I hope uh, you just a lot of success for you and your compadres and everything, buddy. All right, thank you, David. Have a great night over there. Take care. All right, buddy. Bye. All right. David Austin of Nasty Savage, great band, one of my all-time favorites. Let's go back to that first classic album, Fear Beyond the Vision. I'm a fool, stupid, stop it, walking, to 
Ah, Nasty Savage, Fear Beyond the Vision. I want to thank Dave for being on tonight's show. We got Roster Bus coming up in about 10 minutes or so. We'll get on one or two more tunes between now and then. You know, David was talking during the interview about how him and Ronnie, would, you know, write back the fans, you know, requesting copies of the demo back then, or, I mean, buying the demo tape. And I remember a friend of mine named Roberta had a magazine in Connecticut called Buried Alive she was uh, putting out. And uh, I was gonna—I was able to get Nasty Ronnie's number from somebody, from another band member that I was a pen pal with in Florida, gave me his number. So I told him, you know, I'm going to call him up and interview him. And, uh, you know, we'll put it in the magazine. And these were the days before the Internet, uh, before, you know, you, we had uh, calls where you can make calls all over the country for the, for a couple of pennies at the same price. For the call from the call from New York to New Jersey was a long-distance phone call back then, and it would cost a fortune. And I remember sitting in my kitchen, because you only had one phone in your house back then. You only had one TV in your living room back then. And my parents were in the living room watching TV, and I went to the kitchen to use the phone. And I got my little notepad there, and I'm taking notes down, and I'm, and I'm asking Ronnie all these questions. And my father came in. He's like, I have to use the phone. I'm like, I'm on the phone with, with a band from Florida. And all I remember was my father going nuts and exploding because it was a long-distance phone call. And I was in there talking for like 20 minutes. There was probably about $100 for that phone bill back in the early 80s. Uh, but, you know, I paid the price for that interview. But at least I got it put into the magazine. I still have that copy of Bury Life somewhere in my collection, as well as a few other ones that Roberta put out. A really cool mag back in the day that she had. I enjoyed it. All right, here's Anvil Chorus, Blondes in Black.
the attack heaven and hell records re-released this classic record and they always put out an amazing package so head over to the website of heaven and hell records and support this great underground label all right we're gonna get the roster boss in a few minutes let's see if we can squeeze in you know what maybe we'll do one uh, roster boss song between now and then i was just looking at this thing online uh these shampoo bars you know they're trying to help uh eliminate the shampoo bottle crisis i guess we're having <laughs> no it's not a crisis it's just you know, trying to eliminate the use of plastic. Uh, so they put the shampoo into like a hard bar, and supposedly one bar is like three medium bottles of shampoo. But they're like seven or eight dollars a bar. So when most people see that price of this little bar, you know, they're gonna go buy a bottle of shampoo. You know, if you're not producing the bottle, it should be a lot cheaper to make the product, in my opinion. So maybe they need to lower the price point to get that. Just a little consumer advice. That, that's all. All right, let's jump into some roster boss. Let's play something off the brand new record. Uh, we'll get the interview on Ross right after that. We'll play some Man of War and some more new music. Here's Among the Bones. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. 
Mike, how you doing today? Hey, Mike. How are you out there? I'm good. <clears throat> Can't right. complain. Hey, that's a good thing. Hey, look, I'm thrilled, man, that you're still doing this after all. I want to say years, but it's been decades. <laughs> it makes this kind of sound yeah. old, but I've been with you yeah. since the beginning, man. And I'm glad that not only you put out albums, but they're getting better and better and better. Yeah, this one is really great, I think. I think this one is really a, uh, a game changer. I think it's... Uh, I mean, I don't know. You heard it, right? Yeah, by Bless One, man. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I say, you know, don't you run out of ideas after all these years, all these songs, but you don't. I mean, does it just come to you naturally, or is it really getting harder to work on it? Well, I mean, it's the, the idea, the thought of doing it is it, is harder. Getting motivated to to write a record is is pretty. It's traumatizing at, at points, you know, because there's so much that goes into it. So much goes into writing a record, yet you have to do it. You know, we just we just have no choice. So yeah, um, but we did. We were touring all the, last year. We did all the tours of Europe, and then we, I, you know, basically what I did was set up the audience for the new record, and it's it's pays it's paying dividends, big time. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, you basically got a whole new lineup. To, you know, to the first two Ross the Boss records. Now you got Michael Lapine in the band. Uh, uh-huh. from Death Day was playing with you, Mark, an amazing vocalist. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. Do you count on these guys now to kind of help with the songwriting process? Because you have such a distinctive sound and style when it comes to your writing. So do you kind of want to mix in with those guys also? Or do you like to kind of keep it to yourself? It's exactly what we did, Mike. Um, uh, we came off the road uh, last year, and I said, no more shows. We're going to write the record. And... Um, we got together, Mike, uh, Mike came to my place. We, we, we sat down, we started writing songs. Um, I wrote about seven songs on the record. Mike contributed, uh, what would, what would become uh fistful of hate and, um, devil's day. Mark contributed. We are the night. He co-wrote with his, uh, guitar player from let us pray. And I basically wrote seven tunes on, on it. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, there's a blend of, you know, things there, but I basically wrote most of the music and, uh, the, but there, there was a tremendous, uh, contribution from, from Mark and Mike. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when they do contribute, because you have such a, like I said, a distinctive sound, do they know that they have to write for you the way you would want it to be on the record or are you kind of open to like them bringing in different ideas or sounds? No, no, not really. Because, because like something like We Are the Night had is really not, you know, uh, where would I where I would go with, with with something like that. But it's an amazing song. I mean, I'm I'm just looking for songs. That's all. Yeah. I was just looking for songs for the record, and 
you know, we, we achieved it. So, you know, the, the ends justify the means. I don't care who does it at this point, you know. I mean, the, sure. the, 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 the task of writing a whole record, is, it's, it's, it's insane because the criticism and, the, and the, the eyes on it, and especially the eyes on this one, is after, we, after we did like 50 shows last year, was, was massive. Was, was was massive. Yeah. So, do you think people are more know. critical today because they have that ability with the internet to kind of just criticize everybody without like knowing who they are? Where back in the day, if somebody just says, you know, I'm not really a fan of Ross the Boss and his music. I just you know don't care for it. Where today people are kind of vicious and they they look to get a rise out of people. Right. Well, there are there are there are made, there, I mean, there's a lot of internet trolls and and haters out there. But I mean, I got to tell you something. For the first time, uh, this record. I mean, I haven't seen very few, very few negative things about it. I mean, it's just been. I I, I don't know. It's surprising. <laughs> I said, "What did I do wrong? <laughs> what did I do wrong here? There's not enough hate out there for this record. I mean, it's been overall. It's been uh, an, a, a accepted. Uh, you know, widely accepted. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great record. I mean, I play Lilith over and over again. I mean, I just love those massively long songs where there's a lot of playing going on. Right. And this album has, right. uh, has a little bit of something for everybody in there. And like, I know, Russell, you said last year you did a tremendous amount of shows. You People were going nuts for the old Manowar shows. They got to hear songs Correct. like they don't normally get to hear. And they got right. to hear from uh-huh. pretty much a guy who wrote the damn songs that made them what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Is, is that something that you really enjoy doing, going back over the old catalog? It was uh, it was fun playing that all that stuff, actually. Uh, you know, just it, the way I would have done it with you know with no no bass solos, no speeches, no bullshit. You know, <laughs> no big pompous. Uh, you know, you know the whole deal. It's just my no punk frills. rock version of, of my po- no frills punk rock version of Manowar, and we did it. People loved it. I mean, they just. You know, to to go on stage and and not not say a word to the audience after like three songs, four songs of nonstop <laughs> playing. I mean, you know, I mean after Manowar, the Manowar doesn't that the song Manowar, right? It's like it's like a big production, and you know, it's just I know the first songs. The first song is like twenty minutes. I mean, you know, it's, but um, this way is so much better. Yeah, you it, know, it does work. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and so basically, we've been we on our last tour of Europe and Australia. We didn't do any new new stuff in Australia because Manowar had never gone to Australia, and so the 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 the, the need to, to hear all Manowar songs was, was great because people never heard it before. So we uh, we but we started playing the new record in in uh, in Europe before we went to Australia, and so we have five shows coming. In June, and then we have four festivals, four festivals in July, and two festivals in August, and the big tour in October, this November. So we're excited. Yeah, you're on the road a lot again this year, which is nice. I mean, I, right. I'm sure you're going to have Man of War shows mixed in, but are there going to be shows where you're just going to concentrate on the first three records? Yes. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's always going to there's always, there's always, I'll always play some classic songs. I'll always play some classic songs. Uh, you know, manual stuff. I mean, I'm expected to do that. I mean, because I invented it, so I have to do it. That's true. 
<laughs> but it would be great I mean, to you know, the, the songs, you know, the new, especially with the new band. I mean, I mean, it's not new. I mean, you guys have been out there for a little while playing with this lineup, but a lot of people mm-hmm. haven't heard it yet. You know, you had the old, yeah. I mean, was it necessary to get new guys now? Because the old band was from Europe, and it must have been difficult trying to make things right. happen. Yeah, and that was that's one of the reasons that we're not together anymore, because I just felt I, felt I needed a band closer to me to, you know, to get together, I mean, you know, it's like either I had to go to Europe as a three and a half, yeah, I mean, it was expensive and, you know, so, so basically the new lineup is, 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 is perfect, you know? Yeah. It's perfect. And as, as a matter of fact, we have a new drummer, Lance, Lance is staying home, doing a record with, uh, he's the guitar player. I mean, he's a multi-talented, great kid. And, you know, he played on the Michael Ponsell and Assassin. He played guitar. He's amazing. But he's, you know, he's staying home. Yeah. And we have yeah. Steve Bolognese on drums. Well, Steve's from that deal with you guys, you know, so it's yes. like, you know, still try to keep it in the. Is that one of the most difficult things today with any band? I mean, you know, just trying to find guys that can dedicate themselves to going. I mean, a lot of people have jobs, they got other commitments, but you kind of want people that are going to be there when you need them to go out on the road or play shows or record. Right. Right. Steve Bolognese is one of them. I need warriors, not warriors. So. <laughs> That's good. Like that one? <laughs> yeah, 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 I like that really, one. Yeah, I come up with good ones. I know. You sure do. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> no, but you're right, because, you, you know, you never know when the call's going to come in for a show or a festival. And you don't want well, to yeah, I mean, but, uh, we have, you know. plus, we, plus, no, no, there's no can't in, this, in my band. There's no cat. Yeah. No, it's it's just everything is due. That's it. And uh, it's been working. So uh, yeah. Mark, Mike, and, and Steve are warriors. It's, they're warrior uh, musicians and, you know, fully battle-tested, you know, they're ready to go. Absolutely. So. I mean, you've got Mike LaPond who plays in every band this side of California. One of the <laughs> best does. plays. He's like one of the best players, in my opinion, out there. One of the most underrated. No, he's the best play- No, no, no. He's the best player in the world. He is. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, yep. have, I wouldn't disagree with you. He really is tremendous on, on the bass. And when yep. you look at the people to play with, is it more where you look at for strictly the talent and their ability, or do you kind of have to look for that camaraderie because you do have to play with these people all the time? I, I'm looking. I got to look at how how we get they they get along. I, I, it's one thing. I don't care if this is he's a, is a son of a bitch, but my bands are my band are all sweethearts. So they really are. And yeah, uh, I, I, I spoil I spoil them, and they love me, and I love them, and uh, they're great. And what can I tell you? It's uh, it's a very good band. I mean, there's no there's no bullshit in my band. There's no uh, egomaniacs in the band. There's no there's no divas. There's no nothing. You know. Yeah. yeah. Mark is Mark is incredible. He takes care of himself. He warms up. He warms down. He makes sure he sleeps. He's because when you have to sing five nights in a row, six at six at max. You gotta, you, be, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're gonna lose your voice. Absolutely. You know? and, uh, yeah. So I mean, he's 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 wartime. He's all they're all wartime warriors. These guys. So yeah, true. I'm very 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 happy that they're in the band. I mean, and the the record uh, speaks for itself. So. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Ross, as we get older and we keep doing this, I mean, 
is there less and less room, like I said, for the bullshit and like for the crap that comes? I mean, you go back to Shaker Street, the Dictators, Man of War. You've got to deal with crap throughout the time with these bands. But as you get older, as I get to the point where I just want to have fun, make music, and have a good time while I can, you know, while I'm healthy, I can still keep doing it and not deal with the bullshit. Absolutely, absolutely. I just want to make money too, which we're doing. So I mean, that's true. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No one does. No one does. No one does this for free. So. Unfortunately, it's become more and more of that over the years because, and I, you know, people can say it's the record industry, it's promoters, it's the club, but I have to blame a lot of bands because they allowed it to happen to themselves. They said, all right, you know what? We won't take any money for the record. We won't, we'll sell tickets. We won't take a paycheck. We won't do, you know, they're as much to blame as the industry itself. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if the bands don't stand up for themselves and say, you know what? We're not playing till we get paid. There's nobody to play in the clubs after a while. They have to relent. Yes, I agree. And that should happen. Yeah, that should happen more often. We're also like in a business model right now where it seems like there's either too much of a band or not enough of a band. There's like no middle ground anymore. You have many people nine times a year. People like "Eh, I'll catch. Don't you have to play just enough to keep the fans wanting to come back? Yes, absolutely. I mean, but uh, you know, if you listen, if you're you're great live, people want to come see you. You just can't keep coming back, you know, to the same spots. You got to give it a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely an important thing, and that's what you're doing. I mean, I know you got two shows here. You don't have anything come up in the city, right? With this recent tour, I think it's out. No, not not not, not this time. Jer- Teaneck, yeah. Jersey. Teaneck. That's not too far away. Yeah, that's not too far away no. from the city. That's a good trip. And is this going to be mostly the roster boss stuff, or you're going to? Well, I think I think I think we're going to do fifty fifty. Oh, okay, that's Something nice. Like maybe or or thirty seventy man or yeah. That's still the record very new. So is that so. is that always a concern with the new records that you don't want to overwhelm people with too much? Because I don't mind hearing a whole bunch of new songs when a band puts out a record. That you know, I've heard the old songs. I want to hear the new songs. Right, right. But then again, then you see people. Oh, they all they did. I saw Iron Maiden and they played all they played was the new record and. You know, you gotta. No one's ever a hundred percent happy at these things. So we will do the best we can do. I, I said the same thing too about I May when they played one of the whole new records start to finish. That was a little bit too much for, uh, for me. I don't mind a couple too much, of right? Before, but a whole new record straight through. You know, that could be a little rough. Right. Yeah. Well, what's going on with that deal? Anything happening these days? It's been kind of low key for yes, a while. Uh, I know you've been yes. Yes. Well, a ton of I, other stuff. Well, Stu was, we saw Stu down in Australia. Stu's band Night Legion opened for us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he jammed on, he played on Hail and King every night with us for four shows. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, the third the third one will be coming soon. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I, personally, I love the way the two of you play off each other, you know, live yep. and on record. It's rare when yep. you can find two guitar players that are kind of like so in sync with two different yep. styles. I agree. So well, yeah. Is there a lot of live yep. playing between you guys before, or is it mostly because, you know, being so far away from each other, is a lot of it... Yeah, well, that, 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 that's an internet record. That dealer is internet record, you know, so that's what we do. Yeah. Well, how, how do you approach an internet record compared to the studio? Is it much different, or is it much harder? Well, the basis of the song is out, you know. The drums will be live. Bowley will cut the drums live in Los Angeles. And then after that, I mean... Listen, we're so good we can do that. So <laughs> we've done it. So true. Uh, the results are always good. Yeah, 
is, is there something missing with that that you feel like when you're not together in a rehearsal studio or in a studio where you're I think so. immediately I think bounce so. I think, ideas? I think the song, I think the songs suffer when, when, when it's an internet record. Yeah. So. Is it the yeah. back and so forth really, that's missing where you can't like, yeah. you know, want to change this or tweak this right there sure. and kind of work it out? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if any one of us have an idea, we do it. True, true. Well, I, I'm glad that by Blood Swan is was done in the studio, and even if it was, I wouldn't know the difference, but it's just an amazing record. Hey, Ross, I'm not going to keep it. I know you got these things going on all week long. I will be at the T-Nick show. I can't wait to see you guys live. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I hope you, get, I hope you get Lilithon, because I would love to hear that live. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good one. It is. The whole record is, Ross. Not one bad song in that record. You did it again, my friend. Of course not. Thank you, sir. You got it. I'll see you soon. Take care, we buddy. appreciate it. Thanks for everything. Thank you. Bye-bye.
We have some Rasta Boss and some Man of War. Blood of My Enemies. What a great album. Those first three Man of War records were classics, in my opinion. There were a couple of good albums after that, but it kind of got a little, you know, the whole theme and the whole, you know, thing of Man of War kind of got played out to me after that. But I love those first three. Definitely classic records. And say what you want about the band. I mean, we goof on them all the time, especially Joey. Uh, but Eric Abs is one of the best singers out there. The guy's voice is just incredible. I mean, he's up there now. He's in his 60s. I guess the band's going to wrap it up next year. I mean, you can hear that he's kind of losing it a little bit. You can't sing at the kind of level he has for 30 or 40 years to still maintain. So it's the right time for them to pack it in. And, and it was actually time to pack it in a long time ago. But <laughs> it's time to go. All right. We got about 15 minutes left in the show. You know, Dave was talking about that show they did here at Lamore in Brooklyn with uh, Hollow's Eve and Slay back in the day. And I was right up there front of center like I was at all the shows back in the day, at least up to about 88. Then I kind of went sporadically after that. And that was a killer one. So let's get on some Hollow's Eve. Plunge into Megadeth.
All right, this is Letching Gray with Playing With Fire. I actually like this record. It's called pa uh, Party Politics. It was an EP, I think, uh, four or five songs were on. It came out in 86. The band was formed in, like, 83. Uh, the only reason I got into them was because before they were this band, I had gotten a copy of their demo tape. Uh, they went under the name Sexist back, uh, Sexist back then, and uh, Jakey Lee was in the band. This was right before Jakey Lee left to go to Rough Cut or join Rough Cut. So I kind of got into them. They were... You know, they were kind of in the beginning of the hair metal stage, and they were definitely, you know, uh, a little poppier than what I liked back in the time. But I just kind of dug this album for some reason. Not a bad band. I know they got back together two years ago, uh, but I heard that they kind of just broke up again right now. So the reunion really didn't last very long. Uh, unless I'm wrong, but that's what I heard. We'll have to see what happens. All right, we're going to wrap it up here tonight on the show. One more song, and that'll be it until next Sunday. I want to thank our guest. David Austin from Nasty Savage and Ross the Boss from the Ross the Boss Band. Next week's show, it's Father's Day next week, so I hope you can join us. But I know it's a holiday, and you probably want to spend the time with your kids. Then again, some of us don't want to spend the time with our kids. That's the Father's Day gift, maybe. I don't know. But we have two guests on next week. Both of those interviews were pre-recorded this week. We have Andy Southwell from Vicious Nature, and people probably remember him from the band Martial Law back in the day. This is his new band. And we have Peter Ellis from Monument. Uh, so... Join us next Sunday night. We'll get on a lot of killer songs. I do believe I have a few new records coming in this week from the label, so we'll check them out, see what there is, and we'll uh, play some new music too. All right, let's close it out here with Metal Church. I've been on a big Metal Church kick the last week or so, especially the first two records. I've been kind of going through the whole catalog again because albums that I didn't really care for at one point or another when they came out, I kind of find new interest in right now, and I, and I get into it. So uh, and that's always a good thing that you can look back on your old catalogs and say, you know what, I didn't like this record when it came out, but I do kind of appreciate it now, especially because some albums were so much worse after that. <laughs> Sometimes that you thought were really bad back in the day. I actually sound pretty good these days. But here's some classic metal church from the first record, Battalions. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Have a killer week. I'll see you guys next Sunday night. Thanks for joining us.
When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. I want burgers! Pizza! Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is, we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Requires new line. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams at up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions.